I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. As we continue in our study of Ephesians, we'll be um, looking again at one verse this morning from Ephesians chapter 6. I would like to take a moment though, so put your finger there and encourage you to flip over to Hebrews chapter 12. I'd like to read a passage from there before we turn back to uh, our passage in Ephesians. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom His Father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And turn with me back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. The grass withers and the flowers fades, but the word of our God lasts forever. Parenting is hard work. It's hard work. One of my most distinct memories from almost 30 years as a father is sitting in a rocking chair in our little upstairs bedroom somewhere between 2 and 4 a.m. trying to console and comfort and quiet our first child who was just a newborn infant and was crying incessantly and would not stop. My wife, who was twice as exhausted as I was, was trying to get some much-needed sleep. And I remember feeling utterly exhausted and helpless to do anything. Praying that God would just give me patience and would give peace to this little baby. And thinking, again, I am not sure that I can do this. And that would not be the last time that I felt like that as a father. 
Dads and moms, you know that, that there is no responsibility. More, more difficult, more consuming of our time and energy and focus. More able to expose our own sin and weaknesses and challenge our character. Nothing more fraught with, with danger from within and without than the task and the responsibility God gives to parents in raising children. You also know that there's no responsibility more significant, more potentially impactful on the hearts and the lives of children, as well as to the stability and strength of society as a whole, than that of fathers and mothers. Parenting is both incredibly overwhelming, as well as full of some of the most glorious and joyful moments. Which is why it's so important that in carrying out this high and holy calling, we must look to and depend on and trust in the only one who can, who can really empower and equip us for such a task. God, our Father, who does so through His grace and His truth revealed to us in His Son, Jesus Christ, and given to us by His Spirit through faith in, in Jesus' life and death and resurrection on our behalf. And if we want to see our family relationships grow and flourish and blossom according to, to God's design and purpose and plan, then we, as we've seen over these last several weeks in our study of Ephesians, those relationships need to be rooted in His grace and, and in the truth that He has revealed in Christ and, and are called to be channels of that grace to one another in order that Jesus might be better known and seen and trusted and that God's glory might go forth in and through us and our families and in His family, the church. And so we've looked at what that means over these last weeks in our marriages, in the relationship between husbands and wives. And then we looked last week at the beginning of, of uh, the first three verses of chapter 6 at Paul's instructions to children to obey and to honor their parents in the Lord. And the blessing that brings in submitting to God-given authority for parents. And children, I want to encourage you, keep listening today. Because you will hear and see the high calling that God has given to your parents as well. And understand all that they are seeking to do. Today we're going to look at God's calling for parents. And particularly for fathers and exercising the authority that God has given to parents over children in the grace and truth of Christ and by the power of His Spirit. It's given in one verse. A verse of very straightforward, cut-to-the-chase wisdom for parents. God knows each child is unique. He knows each family situation is different to some degree. He, he has created it like that. And as much as we would like for Him to give us a detailed list of all the do's and don'ts of parenting, He is content to sum it up in one verse in Ephesians. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. One verse. Short enough to fit in one Twitter post, but powerful enough to transform lives. Dads, if you want a mission and purpose statement for your calling as a father, here it is. Don't provoke your children to anger, but train them up. Point them to the Lord. Don't exasperate or embitter them, but love and nurture and cherish them by leading and guiding them to the most important thing in life. A knowledge of and a trust in their Heavenly Father. 
That was the goal of parenting in the, in the covenant family of God's people in Israel, whereas we read in Deuteronomy, they were called to impress the knowledge of God and His commands upon the hearts of their children. And it is still the goal of parents today in the covenant family of believers to bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord. The Holy Spirit speaks this word to fathers. And there's a reason for that. First, men, we are the ones, as we've already seen, in whom God has instilled the authority as the head of the family and who will be held accountable for the nurture and raising of our children. Throughout Scripture, the emphasis is placed upon the father's responsibility to, to pass on to their children the things of the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that the entire job falls to fathers. And certainly mom's role is critical and equally significant in the raising of children. But it does point to the fact that we as, as fathers are called to be intimately involved to oversee the bringing up of our children. And secondly, men, we are in need of this admonition and reminder because we too easily shirk our responsibility in this area. The statistics bear that out in society in general. The job of raising children has been in large part left in the hands of mom and the results have been absentee dads, whether physically absent from the home or emotionally absent with very little involvement in and knowledge of the day-to-day -day lives for their kids. And God calls fathers, God's call to fathers here is clear. He is to be the one to be leading our children towards Christ and in the ways of the Lord, which means taking responsibility for being involved in the day-to-day -day parenting of our children. Now we know there are times in this world where that will not be possible. Where no father is present in the home or maybe when he is not a, a believer and, and mom takes up that role and God will equip her for that and God gives the body of Christ together in community for that. But God purposefully, purposely addresses fathers here and says, we are not to bring our children down in discouragement, but we are to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, that said, we know that the job of raising children is meant to be a team effort. Both mom and dad using their God-given gifts in coordination with the, one another to guide and direct the child in the ways of the Lord. So mothers, don't tune out here. Because this word speaks to you as well. Now, we saw last week that parents have been given authority by God over their children. And children are called to obey and honor that authority in their lives. And in, in the society in which Paul was ministering, in Roman society of that day, a father's authority and his power in the family were absolute. A father could put his children to work. A father could sell his children into slavery if he desired. A father even had the power to, to put his children to death in certain situations. So the power of the gospel and God's commands here stand in, in stark contrast to and as a welcome restraint to the abuse of that power and that authority. And that's true even today. Paul begins with a negative command that guards against a clear and present danger in in the authority given to parents and particularly to fathers. Do not provoke your children to anger. Some translations say, do not exasperate your children. Paul's not saying here that we as parents should never cross our children's will. He's not saying that we 
should never make them angry or mad. (laughs) Indeed, we cannot control our children's anger. And if we seek to discipline and instruct them in the ways of God, there will be times when they will get so frustrated and angry and mad. Part of training is to help our children know how to control their anger, but is not to totally avoid conflict or neglect our duty in order to try to always keep them happy. What Paul is speaking of here is is actions and attitudes that, that constantly push away or provoke in our children an underlying anger and resentment against us and and our authority as parents. The word exasperate, I think, is a good one here as well. Exasperation is a, a repeated kind of seething anger or, or annoyance that is caused by not really seeing the point or the purpose of something. And so we can exasperate or, or provoke our children to anger when we exercise our authority over them without purpose, without direction, or in a manner that does not reflect the, the goal and the mission we have of helping them to know and to see and to trust in God. Paul is speaking of of parenting that is unkind, self-centered, unprincipled, overly critical or harsh, or maybe overly permissive and uncaring. Parenting that is not rooted in God's truth or exercised with God's love and grace and compassion. It is doing those things that, that drive them away rather than draw them toward us and ultimately towards Jesus. So how do we, how do we keep from provoking our children to anger and, and resentment in our parenting? Well, there are many ways, too many to talk about in one sermon or two sermons or probably many sermons. But let me just mention a few and comment on them briefly. And I want to term them in, in positive ways. And the first is, In our parenting, be self-controlled. We cannot keep from provoking our children if we ourselves are easily provoked. The quickest way to exasperate your children is to fly off the handle in anger and totally lose your cool with them. A father who reacts to his children with yelling and screaming or with violence may motivate them for a time out of fear, but he will never gain their respect, or teach them of God's gentle patience. Remember Paul's words earlier in this letter, in your anger, do not sin. And so our children do need to understand the truth of God's righteous anger against sin, but in the context of His mercy and love and forbearance for sinners. And so how we ourselves control our emotions and our, particularly our anger towards our children will help keep from provoking them to anger themselves. So be self-controlled. Be consistent. Children become exasperated or provoked to anger when they don't know what to expect from, from mom or dad. Every parent knows what it is to overlook something our kids do one day and then throw the book at them for that same thing the very next. Unfortunately, I can recall many times where I did that in my own parenting. Children need to know where the boundaries are and what the consequences are for crossing them. But they can't do that if the boundaries and the consequences keep changing, keep shifting. We need to be consistent both in our our discipline as well as in our instruction. Our children need to know that they they can trust both our promises and our warnings. Now, I realize and we need to know that parenting is not a one size fits all endeavor. 
And there will be many times when we, how we respond to or reach one child will vastly differ from another, even within our families. There will be circumstances and life stages that dictate that things change. But overall, unpredictability, inconsistency in how we relate and, 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 uh, and, and um, parent our children will lead to exasperation and discouragement for them. So be self-controlled. Be consistent. Thirdly, be attentive. We provoke our children when we don't really take time to listen to them or to hear their side of things or we don't attempt to understand what's going on in their little hearts and minds. Parents, especially fathers, we can get so busy, so caught up in our other responsibilities or we can even think we know our kids so well that we don't take time to find out what's going on to pay attention to their needs. I know oftentimes as I was raising our boys, the windows of their hearts and lives were cracked open just a little bit at the most inconvenient times. And we can quickly slam those windows shut by putting them off or not giving our full attention to what, what they are saying, what they desire to communicate, what they're feeling. Kids need to know that they have their parents' ear. So be attentive. Fourthly, be balanced. In our discipline, we tend to either be overly strict or overly permissive. We often set up unreasonable demands that don't account for children's age or growing maturity. And the reasons for that may not be bad. We want to protect them. We want to put up fences. We want them to excel at something. And so we demand a great deal of them. But sometimes it can result in an effort at over-control that can breed resentment towards our authority. And the opposite is true when we overindulge our children because we want to keep them happy. We want to win their approval. And so we don't set any boundaries. But rather just try to appease them by constantly giving in to their desires or wants. Both of these are easy ways to, to fall into as parents because they often bring results <laughs> that we want to see. But they often result in exasperated children who either resent or don't respect our authority. So we need to be balanced in our discipline, providing standards and expectations according to God's Word that take into account a child's personality, their maturity, their abilities, and seeks to lead them to greater understanding and knowledge of, of God's desires for them. So be self-controlled, be consistent, be attentive, be balanced, be encouraging, be encouraging. As a coach for 10 years, a baseball coach for 10 years, I would often run into that parent whose kid could never do anything right in his eyes. No matter how hard or well he played, the boy's father always had some criticism for him at the end of the game. Again, it's, it's probably well meant in order to push the child towards improvement. Oftentimes it's out of a sense of trying to live our own lives through our children. But constant criticism and discouragement ultimately takes its toll. How many children have never amounted to anything because that's what their fathers always told them growing up? 
a harsh tone of voice, a belittling comment, even jokingly, a ridiculing of them in front of others, even redoing a job you've asked them to do because it didn't meet your standards can discourage a child, provoke them. So we need to be encouraging to our children, help them to see that life is full of of failures and triumphs, and that God loves us and is working through us in both. And lastly, be present. Perhaps the best way to exasperate your children is simply to neglect them. Don't show up at their sporting or school events. Don't take time to sit down and ask about their day when you get home from work. Don't ever go to their room and plop down on the floor and say, tell me what's going on. Don't ever go up and give them a hug or put your arm around them or hold their hand. Dads, I know we have busy schedules and all kinds of appointments. But what about scheduling an appointment with your children? Take them to breakfast or lunch. Come home a little early and throw a ball or do an activity or read a book with them. Children thrive on that physical and that emotional engagement that we have with them. We are to, we are to be with them and be in relationship with them. So there are many ways we can provoke our children to anger and discourage them. And if we're honest, all of us, Dads and moms do not need to look very far for ways we've done this to our children. Giving serious consideration to this negative command, it's an an uncomfortable thing to do. Because it uncovers things perhaps in us that we don't want to face up to. What specific things? in my life may cause me to provoke my children to anger, to exasperate them, to drive them away rather than draw them towards the Lord? It's a good question to ask, a hard question to ask. The example we set for them, the engagement we have with them will set a tone. So we have a a great opportunity to have a, a positive impact on our children and bringing them up in the Lord by first seeking to eliminate the negative impact that we, we can have in provoking them to anger. How can I be a, a father or a mother to my children with the same love, the same grace and guidance that my Heavenly Father shows to me? But Paul doesn't just stop with the negative. He goes on to give a positive command as well. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The word translated bring them up literally means to to feed or to nourish and nurture them. It's the same word that Paul used back in verse 29 of chapter 5 when he spoke of husbands nourishing and taking care of their own bodies, using that as an example of how they are to care for their wives and how, how Christ cares for His church. And so our, our job as parents is to lovingly and tenderly nurture and, and nourish our children, to cultivate in them a love for and a trust in the one thing that's more important for them than anything else that we can give them. And that's to know and follow Jesus Christ. Our greatest job as parents is to point our kids to the greatest purpose in life and to the greatest person And that is to know and serve the Lord Jesus with all their heart. Now, that does not mean it is our responsibility to save our children. Or to get them saved. Salvation belongs to the Lord. 
And some of us know we can do the very best job possible of parenting and still suffer the heartache of children who turn away or reject the faith. And we can mess things up royally in our children's lives as parents and still see the Lord work His grace and His forgiveness in bringing them to Himself. God works His saving grace, often despite our sins and failures, as well as our successes. But more often, He works in the lives of our children through our faithful endeavor as parents to bring them up, to know and to follow Him, to point them through the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And that means our goal in training and instructing them is not just to to change their behavior, not just to get them to act differently, but to see God change their hearts. We need to aim for the heart. Too much of our parenting today is geared towards simply making children do what we want. Again, without any reason or purpose behind it that they would see. Thus, the ends often justifies the means. And so if we have to threaten or bribe or bargain or cajole them into doing something, as long as the behavior changes, we've succeeded in our minds. But change behavior without the work of the Lord to change hearts leads to one of two things. We either can raise a legalist who will go through life striving to obey the rules but feeling guilt all the time at not being able to measure up. Or we will raise rebels who go wild when they finally get out from under their parents' burdensome rules. When our goal is the heart, when we see the importance of training and instructing in the Lord because we know it is the Lord who changes the heart. Again, that doesn't mean we're not concerned with behavior. In fact, the word to discipline or to train in the Greek has a great deal to do with our actions. Training means encouraging right behavior and discouraging wrong behavior. It's the word used in Hebrews 12, which speaks of of God's disciplining and correcting His children, His sons and daughters in love. And the word instruction deals primarily with what we, we teach our children. It involves teaching them and modeling for them the Word and the ways of God, helping them to to see the world and life through the lens of the Gospel and through the lens of God's Word. But both training and teaching must flow out of and move towards a heart that knows and trusts and seeks after God. So there's a, a deeper, higher purpose in our parenting that seeks to raise children to know and to trust in and put their hope in the Lord. So how does that happen? Again, lots of ways, but let me just list a few on this side. Number one, walk with God. If we want our children to know and to love God, then they must see that we know and we love God as their parents. They need to see that God makes a difference in every area of our life, not just on Sundays. When we are spending time with the Lord in word and prayer, we are living our faith in the details of life. When our children see that that God makes a difference in what we do, what we say, what we watch and read, how we spend our time and money, how we treat others around us, our children will see that God is not only relevant, but He is a great and gracious God. They will see that He is real and personal and give purpose gives purpose and meaning to life and is faithful to His promises. 
When we have parents bring their children for baptism, one of the things I always say to them is your life will be the greatest testimony of the gospel in the lives of your children. And it can also be the greatest hindrance if we're not walking by faith in Christ. So it begins in our own lives. Moms and dads, cultivate your own heart, your own soul in Christ. Submit yourself to the discipline and instruction of His Word yourself as you seek to do that in your children's life. So walk with God. Two, love your spouse. Fathers, if you want your kids to see the love of Christ, then let them see you love your wife as Christ loved the church. Moms, if you want your kids to honor and respect Jesus, let them see you honor and respect your husband. I can't tell you the impact that this will have upon them, both as young children as well as when they grow later in life to adulthood. Walk with God. Love your spouse. Lead your family spiritually. When my children were young, very young, we'd gather around the dinner table. Everyone would sit quietly and attentively as I pulled out the Bible, as I read a passage of Scripture. And then we'd all join hands and we would pray from the heart and we'd finish by robustly singing a song of praise. And then I'd wake up for my dream. <laughs> we all have this ideal of family worship and devotions that they have to be well-planned and perfectly orchestrated. And I'm not saying that's not a good thing, and we should shoot for that, and we, we should be leading our children in the reading of Scripture and in prayer and in singing praises to God. But we all know it doesn't always happen that way. But spending time together as a family in the Word, worshiping God, is one of the most impactful ways that we can lead our children to grow in grace. And dads, you don't need a seminary degree to do this. Reading a passage of Scripture after a meal. Taking a minute or two to explain it and how, how it applies in our lives at the appropriate level with your children. For younger children, reading a Bible story at bedtime and, and praying with them. Teaching them to sing the songs of praise. For teens, helping them develop a, a habit of Bible study and, and reading through the Scriptures and taking time to sit down and answer questions and st even study with them. Make it a priority to have time in your family where you're intentionally leading your children into God's Word and prayer and worship. And that's also why involvement in the body of Christ is so critical as well. We are not in this alone. God has, has placed us in community together. Bringing your children, gathering here as the body of Christ to church. Being involved in the ministry and worship of God together in the faith is one of the most important gifts you can give to them. Don't make it an option. Don't let your children decide if they want to come or not. Don't base the value and impact of, of teaching them to sing and pray and listen to God's Word and to know and share in the love of God's people on whether they like it or not or if it seems they seem to be getting anything out of it. Don't let other activities or involvements take priority of be, being present with God's people to worship Him on Sunday. They need to see and know that, that God is present in and with His body, the church, as He draws near in a particular way, as the body is gathered together in word and sacrament. Not all here are parents. I understand that. 
Not all here will be parents. And yet, as part of the church, you're an integral part of God's family and of the families that God brings into this church. And you too have the opportunity and the blessing to share in the, in the encouragement and the nurture and the, the discipling of children whom God places in His covenant family. Your impact on the little ones in God's family is great as you come alongside and help parents in their goal of leading their children in the Word and ways of God. To lead your family spiritually. Then discipline your children in love. Hebrews 12.6 says, The Lord disciplines the one He loves. He chastises every son whom He receives. Proverbs remind us that when we fail to discipline our children, we are not loving them, but rather are hating them. And so our children need to understand correction and consequences for sin. And thus there will be times that we need to correct them. And we need to, they need to experience consequences. But we should always, always do so in a loving, caring, kind manner. Seeking to bring them to repentance and to rest restoration in our relationship with them and their relationship with God. Don't punish in anger and always use it as an opportunity to point them to Christ, to assure them of His forgiveness and ongoing love. And when we discipline our children for sin, remember that we are disciplining them as sinners ourselves. We must recognize that we can't protect them from suffering and teach our kids that life is hard and brings hard things, but that God is at work in those hard things to show us His grace and love. And that leads to the last thing, which is be willing to confess your own sin and ask forgiveness. One of the hardest and most effective ways to train and instruct our children in the Lord is to, is to go to them when we are wrong and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? When we do that, we show them that we are sinners in need of God's grace just like they are. It demonstrates to them a humility, a transparency, a dependence on Christ and the cross that we want them to have as well. Now, we could go on and on with the ways, not only in which we don't exasperate, but bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's what lots of parenting books are available to help do. And certainly God gives us instruction in other places in His Word. I like how my friend, Pastor Neil Stewart, sums this up by saying, it is about the example we set for and the relationship we have with our children. How we live before them. How we engage with them. Our children need us to be with them and to be for them, parenting them with the kindness, the conviction, the courage, the compassion of Jesus Christ. And that is why... We need Christ to equip and help us do that. All of us can hear this and, and feel the weight and the burden of, and see the ways in which we have failed as parents. As I went back through this, I, I had many times recalled to my mind many things I looked back over the years and thought, oh, I could have done that better. Should have done that differently. Paul says in Ephesians 3.14, I kneel before the Father from whom His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. As parents, as fathers and mothers, our role is based upon the loving, redeeming, parenting grace of our Father in heaven. As we lean on Him, as we look to Him 
to His truth and His grace in Christ as we, we come to Him with our failures, as we lay before Him our successes, He will equip us and enable us to obey this command in the lives of our children. There will be times, many times, where we fall flat on our faces as parents. And it is a difficult calling. But God is able to overcome our mistakes. And He is able to encourage us and to, to work in and through us in that calling. We have had parents who failed us. Maybe we have been parents who have failed our children. But remember, we have a perfect Father who loves us, who disciplines us, who teaches and trains us, who forgives us, who has saved us through Christ. And it's ultimately Him that we want our children to know. That is Christ to whom they can, they can fully trust. And our goal as parents would be that we would decrease and He would increase in their lives. And God uses us as His tools in that process. So fathers and mothers, be encouraged. Where you're struggling right now, bring that to the Lord. Bring that to, to others here that can pray with you and encourage you. Know that God is using you. It's the most important duty we have as parents to not provoke our children, to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so let us look to our Father in heaven for His grace. And let us step out boldly in faith to make a difference in the lives of our children. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You that Your grace is sufficient in all things. And Father, I pray right now for every family in this congregation, for every parent, dad, mom, who is seeking to do what You have called them to do, who is working to not provoke their children, but to raise them in the discipline and the instruction of Your Word. And to do so with love and with grace and with compassion according to Your truth. And Father, every single one of us can see, I'm sure, very clearly where we could do better. Where we have perhaps, even in the past, dropped the ball in this way. And Father, Help us in that to know your love, to know your compassion and forgiveness for us, and to know your power and your equipping. I pray, Father, that we would not grow weary in doing good, that as we endure patiently, even the, the suffering and the hardship that comes along with parenting, Father, that we would know you are working in and through us in the lives of our children to draw them to yourselves. And Lord, I pray for Your grace to go forth through dads and through moms into the hearts and lives of their children. Father, convict us where we need to be convicted. Convince us where we need to be convinced. And Lord, equip us and empower us 
to live our lives as moms and dads in relationship with and for our children in a way that points them to you. That they might put their hope in you. And that there might be another generation who calls upon your name. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth and for your love for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.